Hey everyone, I'm super excited to be bringing you a special episode for episode six. So this episode was actually recorded in 2017. It's a Facebook Live interview I did with Jeremy Fulweiler, who is an amazing body psychotherapist and a real source of wisdom. And we talk about how to decrease stress over the holiday season, how Jeremy got through burnout and overwhelm, and the biggest challenge that Jeremy had to overcome in order to become the amazing artist and body psychotherapist he is today. So I really wanted to share it with you. It's so relevant for this time of year, and I can't wait for you to listen. Just before we get into the interview, I wanted to let you know some news. I myself am starting to see body-centered therapy clients. Jeremy and I met at school. We both studied at the Institute of Core Energetics and he graduated a couple years before me. And I am now at the stage in my studies that I'm starting to see clients. So I work with people who are spiritual and creative, but are stuck somewhere. Often they're not making enough money, they're not really doing work that they love. And in our sessions, we use body-centered techniques that explore the root cause of why you're getting stuck. So an example of that is, if you weren't allowed to express anger as a child, you probably have some tension in your jaw, in your upper back, in your neck. In our sessions, we'll do exercises that release some of that tension and some role play type exercises that explore your anger if you haven't been in touch with it for a long time. And that ultimately will allow you to be more assertive in the sessions and ultimately in your life. And when you're more assertive, this leads to you making more money, doing more of the work that you love, and it also improves relationships both at work and in your personal life. So if you're interested in this type of work and you want to learn a little bit more, send me an email at brin at brinbamber.com. That's Bryn at BrynBamber.com. Okay, let's get into the interview. Hi, I'm Bryn Bamber, and this is the Burnout to Brilliance podcast, where you'll learn how to go from overworked and overwhelmed to a place where you realize your sensitivity is your greatest gift, and you're energized by both your work and your life. Here we go. Okay, hi everybody. I really hope this is working. So let us know if it's not. So this episode, I'm chatting with Jeremy Fulweiler. Jeremy is a musician, a poet, a therapist. He's an amazing dancer. We actually met on the dance floor the first time. I remember. <laughs> He's a meal prep champion and a marathoner, and he has a new book out called Prodigal Selves that is about his journey to healing and even beyond that, his journey to becoming fully alive. So Jeremy, I'm so happy you're here and I'm so happy I think it's working. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it is here too. Okay, Jeremy. So my first question for you is, who are you? 
what do you do? And can you tell us a little bit about your path, your journey, how you got to where you are now? Sure. Um, what a what a exciting question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, well, um, my name has been been well introduced, but I'm Jeremy Fulweiler, and the, my primary work is as a body psychotherapist. I founded a private practice here in uh, Metro Detroit uh, that is called Wellness Beyond Words, and uh, integrate a great deal of uh, practice that Bryn and I are both familiar with called core energetics, along with uh, several other uh, trauma informed therapy modalities and work a lot with uh, folks uh, healing from trauma, uh, mood or anxiety or life changes and adjustments. And I've been doing this work for myself for about five years and working as a social worker uh, for about five years before that. And um, as far as how this all fits into uh, part of a, a journey. Um, one of the the things that's been particularly exciting is that it, it has, uh, though along the way, uh, my life, uh, sometimes I, I couldn't really quite tell where things were going. It turns out that things were going uh, right where they needed to. I, I began um, outside of, uh, once I got out of uh, my undergraduate work, um, working as a singer-songwriter and just north of New York City, and um, that led me into music education. And it was in music education that, uh, and in my own experience in therapy, that I realized there was something about therapy that really called to me um, professionally. And I began a slow uh, part-time process of getting my master's degree in social work and, um, and then became a social worker and uh, directing uh, uh, foster care programs in New York City, and then uh, moved to Detroit, uh, Metro Detroit, with my now husband, and uh, worked with children and teens in foster care before starting my own practice here. Um, it seems as if one thing just kind of led right into the next. Looking back, it seems somewhat seamless, but along the way, it felt very um, <laughs> sometimes not so seamless <laughs> and sometimes uh, mm -hmm. even chaotic. Mm hmm. Yeah. And how, how did you get into writing poetry? How did that kind of come into your mix? That started very early um, in grade school. I began journaling and I began writing poetry, probably sixth grade, seventh grade. And then off and on, um, I journaled. I've journaled consistently throughout my whole life, but poetry shows up sometimes more than others. Um, it showed up loud and clear um, at undergrad when I was studying at Otterbein College. I became an English major and focused a great deal on uh, writing poetry, uh, particularly focused on poetry as lyrics for music. Um, and then uh, poetry, so that's now 20 some years ago. So now poetry shows up in, as part of my journaling. It just sort of, mm. sometimes my experiences uh, as I'm uh, feeling them or witnessing them come out in, in in words that form a poem and not in words that form like a prose type of journal entry. Awesome. So my next question is, and, and you kind of answered it, like are there any indicators from when you were a kid that you would be this person who is, you know, an artist, but also a therapist? Like, did you, I guess, I think you already answered right away that kind of social work and therapy was your path, but, um, 
when did you kind of know you wanted to be a musician and and what are kind of the signs from those early years? Yeah, well, that's a really neat question because I, I really had very, I had ideas. In my childhood, though, there was a lot of ways that I was really supported in my family. Um, the I, I think kind of the idea that uh, my folks had for me was I was going to be some uh, chemical engineer or something sort of like that. Um, and, uh, so I, and I, it took me a while, like into my mid teens before I could feel enough of my own self in the world where I realized that's not what I wanted. And, um, and started, I was active in high school theater, which, um, really got me excited about uh, singing. Um, I had been a piano student before that, um, and so the arts became really important, um, socially critical for me, like a, a lifeline for me in high school. Uh, and I think that really strengthened mm. my, my relationship with, with that as a professional direction. So when I went into uh, college, I went in uh, as a musical theater major initially before shifting into English and dance. Um, but it was a, a, a kind of a strong process of differentiating from my folks and my family. 16, mm. 17, 18 years old. Okay. So, so it wasn't, but, but when you look at your childhood, like, do you see yourself like gravitating to arts or kind of any healing work during that yeah. when you were a little kid, even if you kind of maybe got oh, lost? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the arts very much. So my sister took uh, dance lessons and I remember going to her recitals and I would just, I was mesmerized and I, you know, it, uh, I didn't quite have, I didn't have the courage um, at the time to really make, make it known um, in my family. I would dance to Janet Jackson videos in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> alone. Yeah, alone. And then, and then it became the center point of my life uh, 10 years later. It just took a little while to get there. Yeah. So my next question is, um, what is the biggest challenge you've overcome you know, in this whole, like you've already talked about maybe the challenge of differentiating from your parents, but um, in your whole journey, what would you say the biggest challenge you've overcome is and how did you overcome it? Um, there, there are a few uh, moments that, that stick out. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges I've had to overcome and, it, you know, when I, I haven't thought about it this way before, but as I'm sitting here now, um, the word that comes up is ambition. I was such so ambitious that it, I couldn't sustain that level of output of intensity. And so I would burn out, uh, get overwhelmed. And I, I needed to do a couple of times along the way, um, sort of like a swan dive off of a cliff into an unknown and just really let go of whatever it was that I was really throwing myself into um, so that I could, you know, find the ground again. Um, and that comes up, that, that's come up a couple times in my life of really needing to have a, an opportunity. And I was fortunate to have a couple opportunities where I could press a reset button and have some time to not have to um, leap right into another pursuit, but time just to be able to catch my breath. Uh, figure out what's happening inside of me. You know, what, what is motivating me right now? 
And can you give us an example of one of those reset times? Sure. Um, even, uh, I'd say, most recently would be, um, well, there are a couple of ways uh, over the past 10 years, but one would be um, in moving from New York City to the uh, Detroit area, um, coming here, uh, you know, without a job where I was able to go into yoga teacher training and start my core energetics training program um, for about four to six months before I went back into the work uh, field as a social worker. And um, time was critical for me in developing my own capacity for self-care, understanding what my nervous system needed, um, and really getting to feel what was really uh, inspiring to me um, outside of the intensity of what I had been doing before, which was social work administration in New York City. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, another question that kind of leads into this, and you've partially answered, but I'd like to dig a little deeper into is, um, so you, you know, you have this life and this career that has so many aspects in it. I mentioned them at the beginning, and a lot of them you have taken to a professional level, like, you know, you're a writer, you're a public, you know, you're, you have a professional therapy practice, you did put out an album, like you've done all these things. And, and one of the things I see with my clients sometimes is they have all these ideas, all these passions, and they feel like they have to narrow, like they have one, they can only do one. And, uh, you know, what I see from your life as, you know, someone who is your friend, but doesn't know you that well, is that you somehow have been able to do all these things. So maybe what would you say to someone who has a lot of different passions? Um, and also how did you kind of fit them all into your life? Um, yeah, I, I remember your question reminds me of uh, the, the person who introduced me to core energetics. Her name was Helen Harkospe, and I worked with her as my therapist for several years in my 20s. And, um, and I, I was a pretty impatient person and in some regards I think that shows up a lot um, uh, even perhaps but um, me you know Jeremy it's not that you can't do everything but you can't do everything at the same time and I really heard her she probably had to tell me that like 15 times um, I remember her saying it once but I but I, I re it's really um, stuck and uh, it's proven true, uh, you know, so uh, 15, 20 years later, uh, you know, I, I, I go back to that, that guy and say, you know, she's right. <laughs> um, but that to me has been a really significant uh, message. Um, and I think along with that has been finding the right balance for things. Um, even now, in my private practice is, is certainly the center of my professional life. But I am cautious in the way that I schedule my time to do some other things that are important. Um, and then those other things kind of rotate. You know, I'm, I've just finally picked up my knitting needles again after a couple of years, and I'm really enjoying mm -hmm. that again. And, you know, this summer I was busy restoring the exterior of a log cabin that I've bought for my office. And so there's kind of, you know, guest stars 
that show up along the way and things that I have relationships with. Um, but they're not all, you know, they're not really as consistent as my work, uh, body psychotherapist. Yeah. Um, so my next question is about, um, we're going to get into your book and also talk a little bit about the holiday season. So if anyone's listening again, whether you're listening live or to the replay, if you could type into the chat, the most stressful thing you find about the holidays, I find a lot of us are busy. We're rushing around. And so uh, I wanted to ask you to read your poem on rest because I thought it was a good message for us at this about to kind of go into this busy time. <laughs> you got it. Um, gladly. Rest. Over lettuce wraps, we discussed rest and the difference between Resting to do, so that I can go back to work refreshed tomorrow, or have the energy to go out tonight, so that I can get better when I'm sick. Those things. And we also discussed resting to rest, for the pleasure of rest. Because it feels good. Because it's so damn natural. Or not. Space to be just as am, right? Because being is a miracle no one else can construct. Because being alive is a miracle no one can guarantee. Because breathing is a miracle of massaging my life from the inside out, sending ripples of vitality around at a rhythm uniquely this. We did that kind of rest as well. And didn't finish the food. We felt full and brought the rest home. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So kind of to um, one of the things I wanted to say is that I, I loved reading your book. And what I loved about reading it is that there was so many times there was you're talking about your breath, or talking about the body, and it just like, brought me back into my body, brought me back to my breath. Um, so it was so kind of grounding where sometimes, you know, books can kind of take me away. This one really like brought me to the present. Um, and so that was what I, one of the things I really appreciated about it. So I wanted to, um, what can, uh, me and everyone listening do to kind of keep that presence and grounding as we go into the holidays, um, other than reading your book? <laughs> which hopefully lots of us will do. <laughs> um, but other than that, what can we do to stay grounded? Boy, there's, there are countless things one can do to stay grounded. And I think different things work better for different people, of course. But, um, you know, sometimes I think that maybe a helpful question to ask even before that is like, what can I do to not unground myself? That somehow mm. in our lives, we, we kind of add a lot of things in that take us off of the ground or off of our own ground. Um, so if there's a way that we can catch ourselves in those types of moments, it's nice because then it becomes less about I need to do another thing, like I need to ground myself, and more about like, oh, I can take a couple things more time instead of having to put more things in. So, uh, 
you know, things that come to mind are um, certainly like media exposure. Um, there's a, a whole lot, you know, I, I even just bought a, a smartwatch, which I question the wisdom of because now it's like I, I'm wearing media. <laughs> um, but if there's a way that we can really control how much or when, even set some like ground rules for ourselves, um, maybe taking certain apps off of our phone if we find that they kind of pull us out of our life or out of the moment or we're sitting down for dinner with someone and we're tempted to pick up our phone. Um, like these are all ways that we're like, we're, we're, we're pulling ourselves up and out of where we're at. Um, and, and we might have our reasons for doing so, but, but those are places where if we undo that, um, make it not make the choice to actually do that, that we can feel the chair that we're sitting in, you know, maybe while our friend is going to the bathroom and we're sitting at a restaurant, we can, you know, look out or we can, you know, feel our self notice what we're hungry for. Um, that's one uh, theme that I'd, I'd like to offer, um, especially at this time that gets so busy, um, that, you know, we'll almost contribute to our busyness um, with some of these practices that we'll do. Another is the practice of worry. <laughs> and um, if we can catch ourselves in the midst of worrying about things, um, mm. that can really be another thing. It's like, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time. It's ungrounding. And if we can undo it, or just make a choice uh, to, when we catch ourselves doing it, pat ourselves on the back, like, good, I noticed I'm worrying about things that, you know, by and large, 80% of them, I can't, you know, what's going on? You know, what's going on right now? What can I do something about? Um, those would be, you know, media and worry, I think, are two kind of low-hanging fruit. Would you like me to share also a couple of practices um, that we can do for grounding? I think that those were great and I think I mean in some ways I think it's almost better because when I think about the holiday season I think about all the things I have to do and if I have to ground myself on top of it like in some ways it's like oh you took some things off the support as opposed to putting some more things off but if you wanted to share one I'm just like cognizant of time so maybe just oh, share sure. one thing that people yeah. can do to ground um you bet um I, you know, it's, it uh, will go super simple. And if, if someone is willing to just stand up and let their knees soften, a lot of us lock our knees, not everybody, but if, even if we're not locking our knees, if we can stand, let our knees uh, bend a bit more and just really become curious about what it is that we're feeling in our bodies, what we feel in our legs. If we can name for ourselves, like warm here, a little bit here or feels good I'm getting a stretch there if we can really name those things and really bring it into our body okay so really standing bending our knees breathing and feeling all the sensations thanks so much for that one um so the poem that I was hoping uh that you could share with us is um, skipping stones because that was the I, I was really touched by it. It really mm. it made me tear up a little actually. Mm. So, so nice you could share it with everyone. You bet. I'll I'll let you know. I wrote this poem um, 
after an experience with my little brother and it's his birthday today. So it's uh, sweet that you should ask me to read this poem uh, today. Um, Skipping Stones. This Saturday afternoon, I shared with him one of the memories of my own childhood. Someone taught me how, but I don't remember who. Cumberland Lake, the point of a cove, clay and slate everywhere, stones to fit any hand, perfect for skipping over the deep, wet, serpentine wilderness. But he never had before. And this day, even though Detroit River stones are not nearly so ideal for skipping, I teach him. We will both remember, standing along the rocky shore, the waves lap up surprisingly and pump out through our heart valves as we and the stones do our best. I still feel the water cold at my feet and full of sun from light years away. Over half his life, he has become my part brother, part nephew, part son, part friend, and more than the sum. This is a day that fills me with knowing everything that came before was worth it, at least for me, even if at best we could only make three skips in a row. We have earned each other. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks for asking. So where can people find your book? Where can they get a hold of it? Yeah, let me see. You can get there if uh, you might even put it up on your screen. I don't know if I can uh, from my site here, but www.jeremyfullweiler.com is where you can um, read some more of the book, learn more about it. It's where you can buy it. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about my work as a, as a therapist or the, the lodge that I steward here in Metro Detroit, there's links there for uh, wellnessbeyondwords.com and so on. Awesome. Um, And I just wanted to share a bonus that I have for listeners too, which is um, a checklist. It's uh, three steps to reduce stress and get an hour of your day back. So I'm going to put up the uh, website that you can get that at. I want that. (laughs) I'm going there. You you can can get it too. Just go to brinbamber.com slash relax. So that's the website you can go to to download your free checklist on and get some of your time back. Um, yeah, I wanted to thank you so much for for joining us. If you're watching the video and you liked it, please click the like button. <laughs> and yeah, I really wanted to encourage everyone, if you're giving gifts this holiday season, Jeremy's book is excellent and would be great gift for your family and friends. So thanks so much for taking the time. It was a real pleasure, Brent. Thanks a lot for asking. It's been an exciting interview. Okay. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to pick up my free guide, Reduce Stress and Get an Hour of Your Day Back. You can find that at brynbamber.com slash relax. That's B-R-Y-N B-A-M-B-E-R dot com slash relax. Have a lovely and relaxing day.